But good morning as we gather here um, on a rather damp and wet morning. But uh, no matter what the weather's like outside, we gather with one purpose and unity of heart today um, to give praise and glory um, to God. As we come together to offer to Almighty God our worship, our praise, and our thanksgiving this morning, we know that we come to draw near to His throne in patience and in humility, to hear the proclamation of justice and righteousness, to remember those who participated in the war from our parish, our city, to pray for all those who continue to serve in our armed forces, our defence forces, and to pray that in the power of His Spirit we may serve Him in the pursuit of His heavenly realm. So whether we gather in person or online today, let's pray together as we begin. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as your people with one voice and one heart and one purpose. As we set time aside to do so, we pray that your presence with us would transform our hearts, our minds, and the very depths of our souls. That what we do in these moments will be a catalyst for what we do for the rest of this day and this week. So come by the power of your Spirit, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. Here a number of uh, sins of Scripture this morning as we open our service. Uh, Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. The psalmist declares that he will lift up his eyes to the hills, and where does help come from? His help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. The prophet Isaiah says that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall not run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Today's reading is Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 54, and it's entitled The Stoning of Stephen. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep and Saul was there giving approval to his death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, thank you, Lynn. So the, we continue um, our series, uh, Men of Faith, um, today. We say this week, same thing. Um, so we continue our series, uh, Men of Faith, today. Uh, we're in the New Testament. We've looked at a number of characters from the Old Testament and what we can learn uh, from them. So we've uh, looked at Noah, um, how he walked with God, how he was faithful uh, and obedient. And we looked at Joseph and how, uh, through his different circumstances and situations, um, Joseph had perseverance. And he continued to look for God. He looked for the purpose that God had for him in the moments that he found himself even 
in the darkest of moments, waiting for that moment that God would use him for the maximum that he possibly could as the ruler and leader of Egypt. And that was whenever Joseph invited his family and the rest of his nation into Egypt to look after them during the famine that was coming, which led the people eventually to a place of captivity in Egypt because the Israelites had grown to such a number that the people, the Egyptians thought they were going to overtake them. And so we hear the story of Moses charged with taking God's people out of slavery and releasing them into freedom. Moses, we see a, a man of courage, a man who leads through uh, lots of moments whenever the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, whenever they uh, built this golden calf, having uh, just received Ten Commandments and so forth. That there's moments where they fall away, but Moses brings them back. And last week, um, Esther uh, shared with us about Gideon, how there was a period um, after the Israelites had entered the Promised Land um, a, a period of about every sort of 40 years or so, um, they fell away from God completely and God rose someone up within the nation, lots of different uh, leaders um, to take over and to call God's people back to him. And Gideon uh, was one of those individuals. We saw that we find strength and weakness. That God doesn't want it to be that uh, we can think we can do it by ourselves. That's why the 32,000 Israelites were whittled down to 22,000. Uh, whenever they were scared, 22,000 went home and only 10,000 were left. Uh, out of the 10,000, whenever they la went to the river, uh, only 300 were taken after that um, to go and to defeat the Midianites. And today we look at the stoning of Stephen. Um, Stephen is um, one of those characters in the scriptures that we see as the first martyr uh, for Jesus, for Christianity, if you like, the one who would not bow down and deny Jesus um, as Lord. So before we dig into the story, uh, let's pray uh, for a moment. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that we can call your past faithfulness into our present situations. Lord, we thank you that in these moments we can recall and recount the stories that's in your holy word, life-giving word, uh, into our present circumstances. And we can see how we can be changed, transformed by you, your Holy Spirit, in these moments. So, Lord, would you come and be about your business, we pray, in your name. Amen. Like many of these uh, characters in the Men of Faith series that we've looked at, you kind of can't just take an isolated incident um, and look at it alone. You kind of need to look at the bigger uh, picture of who the individual was and the context of what is going on. If we simply looked at the story that Lynn read for us today about Stephen being stoned, there's lots of questions around it. Well, why is he being stoned? Who picked him out to be stoned? Why is he being killed? What's going on? Who is this guy called Saul who seems to be giving approval for it? Well, chapter 6 um, shows us, uh, in Acts chapter 6, it shows us that actually um, the disciples were getting to the point where churches were, were, were springing up People were growing in faith. Um, disciples were giving their lives to Jesus. And the church, uh, as the early church, as we know, was beginning to grow to a point where the disciples were finding it unmanageable to do absolutely everything. And so they said, after they'd chosen the one to replace Judas, and the 12 of them said, let us choose other people who are able to do some of the tasks for us. It releases us to do what we've been called to do. And so chapter 6 is about the choosing of the seven, uh, the people who will wait on tables, the people who will do some of the more practical tasks to enable the disciples and the apostles 
to be the people who continue to preach, the people who continue to push uh, forward in God's kingdom, the people who continue to ask questions in order that God's kingdom and church would grow. And we see in chapter 6, Stephen is one of these individuals um, who's been chosen. This is how he came to prominence. This is why we read about his story in the scriptures. And if you look in a couple of verses in chapter 6, we can see who Stephen is. Chapter 6 and verse 5 tells us that this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Then they go on to list the other people that they've chosen as well. But they don't list any of the characteristics of the other ones. They just list their names. So something has stood out about Stephen. Stephen seems somewhat different. He's described, he's recorded as being a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And whenever we come to the bit in the story in chapter 6, whenever Stephen is seized for his faith, uh, whenever he's being arrested and about to be trialed, in verse 8 it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, who did great wonders and miraculous. Now Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. He did great wonders and miraculous signs amongst the people. So here's Stephen. He's full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He's full of God's grace and power and someone who has done great wonders and miraculous signs. Is it any wonder he was chosen? You can almost see why he was chosen. If those are the labels that's put on him, we can see why he was chosen. But a bit like Gideon last week, Gideon, whenever he was found in the wine press, um, was cowering. He, he was threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the oppressors, the Midianites. But the angel of the Lord called something out of Gideon and he said, Here, mighty warrior. He, he, God saw the potential in Gideon and called it out. Here in this story, God sees the potential of Stephen. And it's only after Stephen begins to do what it is that he does that we begin to have these labels attributed to him. Never think so little of yourself that God cannot see the potential that is contained within you. Often he sees things that we can't even see ourselves. And if those are the labels that are put on Stephen, a man full of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace and power, and he's done wonders and miraculous signs amongst all the people, we'd imagine you wouldn't find Stephen as the one who's waiting on the tables. You wouldn't find Stephen as the one who's doing the practical things. You'd imagine he would have been listed as one of the apostles. He joined the twelve because he's been so good. He's been elevated, promoted to a different place. But it's in Stephen's humility that we see his greatest characteristics. Because even though he had all those things, even though all those things could be seen within him and drawn out of him, and he is able to do great wonders and miraculous signs, he is still humble enough to carry on with the practical things that need done to enable the things that need done to be done. In his humility, we see that the kingdom of God begins to flourish. 
And because some people couldn't hack the fact that Stephen seemed more powerful, more in tune than them, they stirred up the people against him. That's what it says in verse 12. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen. They brought him before the Sanhedrin and they produced false witnesses who testified. Falsehoods were spoken about him. Things were stirred up against him to try to demean him and to pull his character down. But Stephen continues to be who Stephen is. Now, if you've ever wondered, and sometimes I do whenever I read these stories, uh, you always, I don't know, maybe you don't, but whenever you read a story, whether it's in the scriptures or you're reading a novel, you imagine the things before you, don't you? You, you create the scene in your head. You have a, an image of, a, of the description that is happening in the room around. You picture the room, you picture the furniture, you picture the individuals that the person or the book is describing. I'm not sure how you pictured Stephen, as you heard that story read, what were the characteristics, the attributes that you gave um, to him? Well, maybe he was, he must just have been like me. I'll tell you why. Chapter 6 and verse 15. All who were sitting in Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. <laughs> now, right? Um, but that, that's, isn't that a wonderful attribute to be spoken of? His face was like that of an angel. You're trying to describe that there is something different about Stephen. Now, this man who is full of God's favor and God's grace, who is, as it describes here, filled with the Holy Spirit, that his very physical appearance begins to glow and to change because God's presence is upon him. Stephen was humble and willing to serve, but he was also a great evangelist. And if you read through the whole of chapter 7, uh, we've only read the tail end of chapter 7 today, if you read through the whole of chapter 7, you probably have one of the longest sermons that's recorded in all of the Scriptures, especially the New Testament. Whenever Stephen is describing what it is that he believes, he starts with the very beginning, and he travels through all those people of Noah, of Joseph, of Moses. So we have a wee while left, um, yet if we go back to the beginning uh, and start now. And sometimes actually, whenever we think about sharing our faith, we imagine that we too need to know all of these facts before we can share anything about it. But what Stephen was doing was Stephen was speaking to a particular group of people. He was in trial before the Sanhedrin. He was speaking to a particular group of people, and so he was using the stories that they were familiar with to tell them the story, the big story of God. And he's weaving his story into the middle of it. And that's what it means to be an evangelist. An evangelist simply means that we're able to tell the story of what God has done for you, for me. We're able to share the big story of God. That there's a world created and fallen and sinful but that that is made right through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you that that's true because he's done that for me. And you begin to share the stories of how God has affected you and how God has helped you and sustained you. Stephen couldn't keep quiet about what God had done for him. 
That's what chapter 7 is all about. He travels through some of those men of faith that we looked at in the last number of weeks. He laid the foundation of the gospel before he proclaimed the gospel. See, after he told them all of that, he, he kind of he cut them to the bone, as a good wee Northern Irish phrase. He, he cut them to the bone in verse 51. He said, you're a stiff-necked people. You've uncircumcised hearts and ears, and you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who were predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You've received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. That infuriated them whenever he brought in the story of Jesus. Because the story of Jesus being killed and murdered on a cross was so real and so soon, just before, not long before, within living memory of this story of Stephen. So he, they would have known exactly what he was saying whenever he said that. They would have understood that he is saying, you did this to the one who came to save you. The scriptures teach us that if we continue to reject Jesus today, then we're doing exactly the same as those people who put Stephen on trial. In that moment in verse 56, whatever he said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is declaring that Jesus Christ is risen and ascended, is sovereign and is in control. And no matter what they're about to do to him, peels into insignificance whenever he sees Jesus in his rightful place. And because he would not keep quiet about Jesus, Stephen paid the ultimate sacrifice. You heard that read to us and shared with us today. They stoned him. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Whenever he said this, he fell asleep. He paid the ultimate sacrifice because he believed in Jesus. This time last year, we were walking through a series with open doors by the sacrifice of persecuted Christians. It continues to happen today. Today in this Remembrance Sunday, we remember those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice that you and I might sit in freedom today, that we might worship in freedom today, that we have all of those other freedoms in our Western culture and society. But we also remember today the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for each one of us. Because of his love and his grace, because of your sin and my sin, he paid a sacrifice, he paid a price. Your price, my price. The one that I could never, ever afford. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I work, I could never afford to pay the price for my sin. But that is made clean 
that is forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And the same is true for you. And even whenever they came for Stephen, he refused to bow the knee. He didn't deny Jesus. He didn't deny the long sermon that he kind of just preached to them uh, as falsehoods. He saw it as a foundational thing of truth and of life. And even whenever he was close to the end, he looked up, and as I've just read, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold a sin against them. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the resonance of the words of Jesus Christ on a cross? So what are we to learn from Stephen today? We're to learn that he is trustworthy. That even though he was filled with grace and even though he had done miraculous things and great wonders, he was entrusted with some of the most practical things of ensuring the early church was able to function. And he continued to do that. He was humble. He didn't seek to rise above his station. He didn't seek to laud and applaud the things that he was able to do. That's why he declared the great story of God whenever he was set before the people. And actually, he was asked a question and he didn't quite answer it. It's kind of a bit like a politician. He shared the story that he had come to share. He was trustworthy, and he was humble, but he was also courageous. And sometimes we see courage as a thing that is the ultimate act of bravery. Sometimes courage is the simplicity of knowing what you need to do and simply doing it. Stephen knew that he couldn't bow the knee, that he could not deny the faith that he had been given. And so he courageously declared it and he called other people to follow in it. May we not be ashamed of the freedom that has been won for us. By others in conflicts past and present, may we not be ashamed of the freedom that has won for us at the cross of Calvary. Like Stephen, may we ever look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and the one who can and will fill us with the Holy Spirit, so that our countenance may be like the face of an angel. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we can learn from these people who have lived many centuries before us. 
Lord, we thank you that your word brings life and freshness and newness into our everyday lives. So today we pray that as we consider the life of Stephen, that we might grow in our trustworthiness and our humility and our courage, declaring our story in the midst of your great story. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, we'll hear uh, a blessing today which comes, uh, it's called the ironic blessing coming from uh, the book of Numbers uh, chapter 6. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.